Hello and welcome to the pilot episode of Fergie Time, the brand new Manchester United podcast brought to your ears by Vavil UK, the home of some of the finest sports writing on the internet today. My name is Ryan Batty and I'm your host and today I'm joined by two very special guests. Firstly, on my left, or first up on the call, we're welcoming the editor-in-chief of Vavil UK and editor of the Manchester United page, Harry Robinson. Harry, I've got two questions for you. Firstly, how are you? And secondly, what's your favourite Manchester United goal of all time? Hi Ryan, um, I'm doing alright, thank you. Uh, enjoying uh, a further isolation for definitely not the first time this year. Favourite United goal, it's a hard one. Um, I saw this down on, on the script before and, and was tr- trying to trying to define one. Um, and I'd, there's a couple that spring to mind. It, it, I, think, I think in terms of favourite goal, it's, it's not really the, the quality, is it? It's more the, the moment that it provides. Um, and for, for that... Th- th- it's a maybe a weird one to choose, uh, but the Anthony Martial winner against Everton in 2015 FA Cup final oh, was oh, yeah. just a, a great uh, a great goon at Wembley, uh, a, a moment of just utter chaos in the United end, and, and that for for everything it gave as a fan is is up there. There's so many more that I could think of and. Uh, I, I lent towards the, the 7-1 against Roma which was my first game at Old Trafford it, a couple of those goals were brilliant and maybe the Alan Smith one in that game was great but there's loads but the, the Martial one came to mind as one of the more recent ones Oh incredible a very niche choice but I'm, I'm glad we're getting the, uh, the niche choices out, <laughs> out of the way because I, I love a good uh, niche goal from Man United and uh, on my right or second on our call we have the wonderful Usman Akhtar uh, content writer for Vavil UK and host of Usman Talks United over on YouTube Usman, I'll pose two similar questions to you as well. First one's the same, how are you? And then secondly, who is the first name on your all-time Man United Dream Eleven? Wow, uh, first and foremost, thank you very much for having me on. I'm very well. Um, obviously, as he's already mentioned, the lockdown's not... It's treating me well, but it is what it is. Um, yes, similar to yourself, I've, I've kind of tried, not, tried to stay away from the generic one. But I've done some generic anyways. There was there was two minds automatic two players that came to mind straight away. Ronaldo being one of them for obvious reasons, and Skulls being the other one. Skulls was the the first person that came to mind. But the person I've gone for is for his versatility, unselfishness, and obviously his goals. I've gone for Waza Wayne Rooney. It has to be for me. Oh. I just think. The guy can play in so many different positions, unlike I already mentioned, unselfish. He'll do anything for the team, and I think he kind of he gets um, uh, he gets a lot of criticism, and he's not really appreciated by the United fan base as much as he should be for me. So yeah, Wayne Rooney, no doubt. Oh, excellent. Well, obviously, all-time uh, leading goal scorer for the Reds, so obvious choice, I think. There, Usman, very good. Um, so. Without any further ado, uh, we'll jump right into the deep end. And perhaps for a change with the Reds, we're starting off with a positive. I mean, it starts forever ago now. It seems forever ago now, should I say. But obviously, our last outing was that 3-1 victory over Everton just before the international break. So let's let's have a quick recap on that, maybe three or four minutes on that. Um, so, Harry, I mean, probably the biggest talking point was Edison Cavani getting off the mark for United. Would that mean uh, an earmark for more sort of regular appearances for the uh, Uruguayan striker? Yeah, perhaps. I think it, we've kind of patiently waited for him to come into the United team. Uh, there's been some flourishes. His first touch against Chelsea, that um, uh, side netted finish into the uh, sorry, that that finish into the side netting uh, was a a, a treat. Um, but the, the yeah, the goal and I think we, what we kind of expect from Cavani and, and it was I think it was a good signing and 
a sensible one to make is someone can, who can give his experience and, and share that experience to his younger teammates, but also who can be a pretty lethal finisher. And he had one chance in that Everton game. It was a, a reasonably easy chance. Uh, Bruno Fernandes did most of the hard work and very unselfishly gave him the assist while he was on a hat-trick. And Cavani kind of did what we expect, which is finish the, the one or two chances he's going to get off the bench or from the start. And yeah, I, I, does it affect whether he's going to play more games? Probably not. But is it a sign of what we want to see? Absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah, and you touched on it there about... Uh, the pass, the sort of the self, uh, unselfish work from Bruno Fernandes. Fernandes, of course, got himself on the score sheet in that game. Uh, I'm going to throw this one to you, Isman. Um, he's obviously scored at Goodison Park before. Fernandes, he's been in, he's been in some decent form. He's coming back into his own a little bit after maybe a bit of a shaky sort of period yeah. earlier on in the season. Uh, is this the time now for Fernandes to really shine and maybe bring up the quality of the United team as he did so often last season? Yeah, no, I think it's integral to be honest. Like we saw from January period that he was the catalyst for us to get that top four, uh, obviously finishing third in, in the end. I think for me personally, I've been massively disappointed with Bruno Fernandes, not because he's been particularly poor. I just think for the, the highest standards he's set, he's been below par. Uh, like that game against Istanbul in, partic- uh, in particular was, you know, obviously we don't need to go into statistics, but he wasn't, it wasn't his greatest of performances. And he, he kind of came back into his own with the Everton performance. He stepped up when it really matters. You know, as we knew, Oli Gunnar job was potentially on the line and he stepped up and it was counted. He he played like the leader that he is and I think for that you've got to respect him. If Man United are going to have any success this season, season he's going to have to be integral to that success. And I think the more we see him playing with confidence and playing with freedom, the more success the club is going to have. As you've already mentioned, very unselfish, put it on a plate for Cavani. Could have quite easily went for the hat trip there, but he's a team player. You know, you've seen with Rashford also giving his penalty against RB Leipzig to uh, Martial. I think it's a bigger picture. It does seem like the team camaraderie is still high. The team chemistry is still high, and I think Bruno Fernandes epitomises everything good in the squad at the moment. 100%. And, uh, I mean, again, you touched on it there, man, but I'll pose this one to both of you. Um, obviously, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been, come under some heavy fire recently, obviously. Yeah. It seems that every every other performance is is, is a bad one for, for United mm. at the minute, and this inconsistency really starting to hamper the team a little bit. This one kept Solskjaer in a job over the international break, which is obviously famed for for seeing off managers maybe before their before their time is up. So, what what does Solskjaer need to do now ahead of a, a pretty? I wouldn't say, I don't want to say straightforward run of games because obviously it's not. But I mean, you've yeah. got three games now that are you know relatively good on paper for United obviously there's PSG in there what does Solskjaer need to do now we'll start with you Harry well I mean it wasn't quite April 2014 with a, a grim reaper waping in the crowd to uh, greet <laughs> David Moyes but I, and I don't think it actually had the symbolism or not I don't think it had the same uh, importance to the future of the manager as as it did back then in April when defeat Everton definitely signalled the end for, for David Moyes I don't think United losing at Goodison would have signalled the end for Solskjaer um, on the other hand it, it was a much needed victory and Solskjaer has a, a knack and perhaps a skill for pulling out big results when they're most needed and he's done it time and time again to save himself to give some confidence back to this United team and to take the pressure off a little bit and that's exactly what the Everton game did um, and it, it, it is a skill and it's it's the response to adversity and to defeats that, that make 
the very best managers and it was a, 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 a skill that has defined the careers of Alex Ferguson, Mourinho, Guardiola, Klopp, all, all of the great football managers and, and Solskjaer has that one. It would be nice if he didn't have to pull it out quite so often um, but that that's a, another topic and yeah, it, it, it was a very hard run of games. Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, three Champions League games, playing midweek every time, including away in Turkey. And in the end, United have come out of it, uh, including the Everton game. In the end, we've come out of it with some very good victories against PSG and Leipzig and some, some disappointing but very close games against rivals for the top four, Chelsea and Arsenal, and a good win against Everton. It, it was certainly a bumpy kind of ride for those difficult games. The important thing now is to win against West Brom, to win against Istanbul Basaksehir, here, and not to to have yet another banana skin, which is kind of what Solskjaer's United career has been defined by. Yeah, and Usman, what 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 are you thinking then? Obviously, Harry talked about avoiding those banana skins, avoiding yeah. the inconsistency. Is that? I mean, obviously, that's crucial for any Man United team, but. Is there anything special that you think that Solskjaer has in his locker? Is there any? Is there anyone you want to see utilise a bit more? What What do you think Solskjaer needs to do now ahead of a, a I mean, a, a good a good run of fixtures on paper? But obviously, yeah. as we've said before, one that yeah, we don't, but we don't do well on paper, do we? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just just to come back to what you said, I personally don't agree with the comment regarding the Grim Reaper comment in terms of um, the writing not being on the wall. I personally thought it was on the wall. If you lost this game, um, I don't. I don't know if they would have pulled the trigger or not. But you know, you can't really trust our board with anything at the moment, can you? But I just think, for me personally, it would have been difficult for him to come back, given the fact we lost six one to Spurs. I think that that one for me personally hurts me a lot. You know, we lo- we lost to uh, uh, Crystal Palace to D one as well. Uh, for me, that Brighton wins a loss in my head because we. I've never seen us get battered that badly by a lower team. With all due respect to Brighton. We got absolutely humiliated and the crossbar saved us. So I don't think it's been a good season thus far. However, I do acknowledge the fact that we have had a lot of very difficult fixtures, you know, in particular in the, the Champions League on the back of the Spurs game. Then we had like RB Leipzig, PSG, Chelsea in between. The, it has been a very difficult run. In the grand scheme of things, um, if you go and go on a run now, it hasn't, you know, we, it's easy to, it's something that can easily turn around. And um, regarding what he needs to do now, I think for me personally, I, th- I don't know what you guys think is, um, the consistency is the most important word for me. Consistency in his lineup, consistency in his tactics, consistency in his manner which we approach the games, and of course, most importantly, the results. We have not been consistent at all. As you've already alluded to, the, uh, the banana skin seems like it's forever around the corner. Um, what he needs to change for me is his mindset going to games. He's been very negative with the two DMs of late, Fred and McTominay, although they've been brilliant to their merit. I just don't think it's needed against the, the so-called lesser teams in the next few games. We've got West Brom, Istanbul, I believe, and is it Southampton, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, it um, I think it's, yeah, so obviously Southampton are flying the, near the top four, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that's going to be a difficult game for them. But Istanbul and West, West Brom... I want us to go out and play football and I want us to be on the front foot from minute one, not when the other team are causing us some form of difficulties. I think that's the thing that frustrates a lot of United fans that I've personally spoken to is the manner in which we start the game. You saw against RB Leipzig, we showed that we can press the team. One of the best pressing teams in Europe in RB Leipzig with one of the best managers around in terms of up and coming and we out-press them in moments. So... 
you know, Pogba was someone that gets a lot of criticism and rightfully so at moments. But he was a second. Uh, him and Martial um, initiated the press thirty nine times between them, and that's not something we'd have been able to affiliate with them two players. And I think that's what the frustration is. Why is why are we performing like that against RB Leipzig three days later? We're not pressing at all against Arsenal. If anything, it's the polar opposite in terms of a performance. I just want a bit of consistency. And I think against West Brom, I want us to start yeah. with the front foot. Like, not in first gear, not in second gear. I want us to start in fifth gear and it hits him for three in the first half and then we can we can ease off in the second half. Well, it's always nice to dream, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? I think um... <laughs> that is That is a dream, to say the least, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, I mean, you'll think that we've scripted this because we're going to have a look, a look forward now, obviously. We spoke a little bit there again about Southampton, but, I mean, we can't get ahead of ourselves. We've got two yeah, big games now. Uh, West Brom on Saturday, 8 o'clock, and then Istanbul uh, in midweek in the Champions League, obviously, that banana skin from, from last time round. So, I'm going to start with both of you. I mean, left-back is the, probably the biggest position of, of sort of, I don't know, sort of the, the biggest question for United. Uh, ahead, yeah. of the, ahead of these next couple of games, Luke Shaw's out for about a month, month or so with a hamstring injury, uh, and I mean, I mean, I think by all accounts, there's three possible replacements. You've got Alex Tayes, who is obviously the, the main one, uh, although has been has been sort of uh, doubtful, obviously having contracted COVID nineteen while international yeah. duty. You've got Brandon Williams, and I mean, does Fosu Mensa get a look in? I mean, he started at left back against Crystal Palace last season. I mean. Obviously, that's worst case scenario. But what, what happens at left back, Harry? I think if Tellers can play, then Tellers plays, and if not, then Brandon Williams comes in. He's, I mean, he's, he's looking thankful that Williams's uh, potential loan move away from the club was kind of cancelled at the last minute because he is needed in this scenario. Fosamenta could do, but he's. It's been almost five well it has been five years now of Fosamenta being given opportunities and very rarely taking them um, to to his advantage I think Solskjaer does want to give him a chance but I kind of expect him to leave in, in January or next summer and I think Williams is someone who, who needs and, and has taken those chances so I, it'll be Tellers and if not Williams I think Yeah I mean obviously uh, I think the Manchester Evening News reported today that Fosumenta could be considered his future at the club. So obviously, yeah. well, I mean, take all media reports with a pinch of salt at the minute because if you believe the media will assign 200 players in the summer. But <laughs> obviously, I mean, we'll see what happens with Fosumenta. Uh, Usman, who, who, who starts at left back for you? Yeah, tell us. I'm contemplating buying him on fancy football, lads. I don't know what you think. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, th- I think for me he has to start. I, I believe he's he did uh, test ne- negative yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he tested negative. Um, yeah. And he's training for Brazil, and if, well, he's in the squad, isn't he, at the moment? Um, the only reason I wouldn't play him is if he's jet lagged coming back. That's the only reason. Um, obviously, it might be a bit difficult from long flight, etc. But thankfully, they've they finally pushed our fixture back to 8 p.m., so that helps us slightly. Um, yeah, it has to be Tellers. I'm not really a fan of Brandon Williams at left back either. Of course, he's a right he's a right footed by trade, so to speak. So it's difficult for him also. Um, but we're not really we haven't really got a plethora of uh, sort of players there. So Tellers for me, if not Brandon Williams, uh, if needs be, it's gonna have to be for some answer, isn't it? Really, there's nobody else. Um, although I really don't want to see him play a full back at all, to be honest. Well, yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, I, I don't know what Solskjaer season. Fosu Mensa at the minute because obviously he's had some really inconsistent performances. I mean, he looked good against Palace last season when we played him away. 
But yeah. starting him against Palace on the first day of the season, he was dreadful. I mean, he's not been good at all, has he? So uh, maybe I think Fosimenta is definitely the last resort uh, option yeah. for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, and, I mean, we touched on it a, a couple of minutes ago and we talked about Edison Cavani. Obviously, he's he scored against Everton. He scored on the international duty for Uruguay. Yeah. He's probably getting right up there in match fitness. Does he start this man? Who, what do you think? It, it really does depend on the formation. Um, you know, I know it, but that would be a cop-out answer. But if he, got, if he plays, you know, the four-two-three-one, which I personally don't want to see against a West Brom team that I'm anticipating them to sit back into uh, obviously in a low block so to speak so if he, got, if he goes more attacking in a 4-3-3 or a diamond it'll be interesting but um, I don't think Greenwood's going to play so it, Cavani probably does get a start it's just a bit of a shame because I don't really want to see Martial pushed out I don't know if you guys saw the predicted uh, lineup. Mata on the right wing I don't know if you guys saw that at all Oof, damn it, man. yeah so if it means Mata's not starting a right wing yes he starts Honestly, I'm sick of seeing Mata on the right. I mean, he's just been he's been wasted. Honestly, I really feel sorry for him. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, surely a player of his mobility should be starting in the hole at least, like yeah. as a number ten. Oh, I don't know, um, Harry. I'm going to come to you on this one. And Donny Donny Van der Beek. I mean, it's an interesting question. I mean, what is it? Three starts this season, and they've none of them have been in the Premier League. Does he finally get in the team? Do you think this weekend? Obviously. Pog, uh, Paul Pogba's form has been up and down. Solskjaer seems to favour this Fred McTominay uh, two behind yeah. the uh, Fernandez. What do you think about Donny van der Beek and does he uh, make an appearance? Just quickly on Cavani before I say it. I think oh, if, yeah, yeah, if yeah. Tellez is available, then you... That link-up would be beautiful. Yeah, then you have a, a, a choice to make about bringing Cavani. I think if Tellez isn't available, then it's uh, you're definitely going with the, the Martial and Rashford combination if, if Rashford's back from uh, yeah. the, the knock that's kept him out of England duty. I just think Cavani needs that crosser in the team and Alex Tellers is, is probably the only one in Luke Shaw's absence because Shaw's actually improved it over the last few weeks in that regard. But Van der Beek, um, yeah, I mean, he has to be patient. We have to be patient. The, the obsession over his non-inclusion has, I think, been a little exaggerated. I think when we signed him, I think most people agreed that he was a, a very good squad option and that's what he's proving to be does he start over Pogba well they're not they're not in the same role um, I, I think he, he should start I think there's an argument to be made for um, if if we're having to stick with a 4-2-3-1 then you're going to have to put someone out on the right who isn't naturally there and that's going to be one of Van der Beek or Bruno Fernandes if they're going to start together and, and the problem is as it was at the start of the season is how do you fit Van der Beek Bruno and Pogba into a 4-2-3-1 together. Obviously, you can change the formation, but that's not something that uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been prone to doing that much, especially in games like the West Brom game, when kind of normally the 4-2-3-1, whereas when we go to a big team, then he's uh, he, he's, he's good at getting that unpredictable lineup. So I, I can't see Van der Beek starting, but uh, Pogba has been, apart from that Leipzig game, which was kind of an anomaly, Pogba has been pretty dreadful all season. Uh, in in any role and it, it would be great if we could get the Leipzig pub buffer for every game I can't see him going with a midfield which includes Van der Beek over Popper though because they are just very different players mm-hmm. well yeah I mean I remember watching the, the Leipzig game and I thought Van der Beek was probably one of the best players on the pitch to be honest yeah it was very good when, when he was playing yeah. that number 10 and advancing past the strikers and really putting some pressure on he was outstanding, but as I understand what you mean about 
him being a long-term squad depth option. I mean, United have been calling out for it for years, absolutely crying out for some squad depth. And when we finally get it, a lot of people complain. But no, I do I do get your point. Usman, do you want to add anything about Van der Beek? Yeah, no, I completely agree with what you said. I think, first and foremost, you know, coming back to the rumours, if Matt is playing on right wing, I just don't see why Van der Beek can't play that role. Um, by all means, give him Matt's role if you really need to get him in the team. But... I would actually go with the diamond again. You know, the, the way we set up against Leipzig, I would do the exact same thing um, if Tellers is fit. Because I think Tellers offers us that width that we definitely need in the diamond. Um, obviously, he's an attacking fullback. He can push him further up the pitch. And I would just go for it. I'd go Van der Beek, Bruyne and Pogba with Fred behind him. I know that's probably going to blow people's mind in terms of lack of balance. But, you know, Van der Beek, you know, I've spoken to an Ajax journalist and that works for Ajax as well when we first signed him and he said, you know, Ajax education with Van der Beek, but in particular, he's a workhorse, you know, he's, he's a, his first nature is to press. Him and Bruno by nature love to press. I just don't understand why we're not utilising that. We've got Pogba there as well, who showed against Leipzig, yes, at the moment it's an anomaly, but if they can't do it, for example, let's get them to press further up the pitch against West Brom. If Pogba can't do it, then tell him he's not starting because that's... If Oli wants us to press out the pitch, you should demand that from the players. And if they can't deliver it, put them on the bench. It's as yeah. simple as that. He shouldn't change what he wants to do because of certain players. You know, we've got enough quality in this team to go against West Brom and press them out the pitch. But I don't see why we can't play Bruno van der Beek and Pogba against West Brom. Like, I'm not trying to be arrogant, but, you know, at the end of the day, we, it, should dom- we should dominate that game. It's, it's the lack of... It, you, you, you combine Matic, Fred and McTominay and have that player as your holding midfielder and, yeah. and then fine you can play that, that three ahead of it it's the fact that Matic isn't mobile enough to cover enough ground Fred's passing forward isn't good enough to, to do that role by himself and he can get yeah. beaten too much as we saw in the game against Arsenal I, hear, I, I, do, I do hear that point however um, you've got to remember Van der Beek, Bruno and Pogba technically are all eights I know Pogba's a six by trade, but they've all played in eights. You look at what Bruno does for PSG, he plays in an eight, really. He doesn't play in Cam, does he? Jao Felix plays there. But, so so I feel like they can't... They, you know, they're, they're mobile players. That, you know, you look at... Obviously, I don't want to compare it to other teams, but if you look at other teams, uh, I have to use Man City as an example. They played De Bruyne and David Silva. I know no, they had a specialised DM in Fernandinho, and I'm not disagreeing with that. But Van der Beek and Pogba... If they want to be in the team, they've got to put in a shift in midfield. It's as simple as that. And if they're not yeah. doing that, then one of them has to get, then take Pogba out and put Mc. Well, he has to try against West Brom. They're one of the worst teams in the league for a reason. Yeah, yeah, no, no I agree. I, I, I was going to bring up City as well because they managed to do that that two eights and it worked fantastically. But they've got the the, the they've got what they had one of the best. Yeah, no, I do hear but that point also, regarding Fred, but I just think we've got to risk. Yeah, we've got to try right. it against one of these teams. They also play with inverted wing backs, which United don't and potentially could, and it, it, it could work, but um, yeah. don't at the moment. And that gives them that protection behind yeah, no, the, kind of the, the leaky midfield that we, yeah, we yeah. definitely have seen with City, and it's, it's made them pay quite a lot of time. So it, it is a possibility, but it requires quite a big shift in, in terms of not only United's mentality, but sure. the formation and how the full. But he's had, he's, had, he's, had, he's had two weeks. So that's the thing for me personally, right? If, you know, you, you said um, earlier, what does he need to change? And this is what he needs to change. He needs to show us, the fans, and or those who are doubting him, 
that he's willing to change and willing to show that he wants to play United football. At the end of the day, the way I see it, against the big teams, we're actually brilliant. Okay, granted, we haven't been there so far this season, but in general, on our day, we tend to do really well, as we've seen against PSG and Leipzig, and as we did last season. And that's not the issue. The issue is against the lower teams, we don't have sustained pressure. Against Sheffield United and Bournemouth, them two games in particular, if you go back to them, the most impressive thing is the fact that even when we was, you know, a couple of goals to the good, we had sustained pressure and it was difficult. We were up by two goals in those games and we were still on the door, knocking on the door. And as a big team, you know, again, I don't want to compare us to Sir Alex Ferguson's team, but that's what makes you a team. You, you, you have to suffocate the opposition. And with Pogba Bruno and Van der Beek, you've got three players there that have the capabilities to do that. If Fred isn't able to do that role on his own, then we need to buy a special CDM. He needs to show to us why he should be in the team. We need to stop protecting the players. Uh, I think that yeah. we protect. We, there's too much protection. Oli's protecting the players too much. Put them in a position. They either get exposed or they show why they're playing for the team. That's how I see it. Brilliant. That's, that's a really good discussion, actually. I, I completely get all your points. Um, we're going to have to move on just a little bit now because um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit conscious of the time. But no, actually, yeah, brilliant. Um, We'll get, let's talk about winners and losers now. Obviously, United have just passed the international break without yeah. too many injuries. Obviously, a little bit of a bane of our lives now as United fans is the international break. Um, so, talking, let's have a winner and a loser from, from the international break. For a winner, I've gone for Scott McTominay. Obviously, yeah, <laughs> yeah honestly, Scotland qualifying for the first time since 1998 to any major tournament when McTominay was 18 months old at that point. Excellent work from That's Scotland, crazy. obviously. Um, they've really done some great work over the last couple of years. They've got a, a good young manager, and um, I'm really glad to see McTominay qualifying for the uh, for the Euros next year. What about you guys? I'll say Harry Maguire actually, because um, okay. yeah. he obviously got that gold. You know, for him on a personal level, and I saw him tweeting it out as well. You know, he, he put like a checklist goal, clean sheet, three points, etc. <laughs> I think for him, you know, obviously as a United skipper as well, it's it's only going to benefit us the more confidence he has in the team and of course that's going to radiate throughout the three team being a captain so yeah I'll give it to oh, McTominay is the obvious one but I'll give it to Maguire because he got a goal and he's, he's had a couple of decent performances which is good to see Excellent yeah. I, I actually agree on a on a personal level I think it's it's Maguire Mato, I mean McTominay said it was the, the greatest moment of his football career so far which makes sense um, and I was I was watching the Scotland penalty shootout and yeah um, you, you get that I think it's it's with the academy graduates you get that kind of personal sense of responsibility and and um, investment in in those players and celebrating McTominay's penalty going in I was, I was proper as a as an England fan I was nervous watching McTominay to step up to take that penalty so it was great for him but I think Maguire in terms of confidence and I think he's actually been underappreciated over the last few weeks for United as well that yeah, Maguire has uh, settled down I think probably for the last four games I'd say settled down and had a, a, a really really good performance against Everton and, and was one of my contenders for man of the match even though it was mainly an attacking performance mm-hmm. and uh, well, that's brilliant yeah Maguire was really good for England the other night um, and a loser obviously it's it's difficult I'm, 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 I'll go with Alex Tejas which is difficult oh, that's what I've got that's what I've got for <laughs> he hasn't, I mean obviously it's difficult but obviously the COVID, the saga with the COVID nineteen, if it, if it, the contraction, obviously the, I think it was positive then negative then positive yeah. again and now it's negative. 
obviously throws his status in uh, Saturday into dish, uh, into a bit of a into a bit of doubt. But obviously, I think touch wood, touch all the wood in the world that we're ready to go now for Saturday, and uh, and Teos will be ready. Is that, have, have either of you got any different? Losers. Obviously, it's different different reasons. Right? Yeah, that, that's the, the exact same reason as well. That's like, I just feel sorry for the guy. Like, I, I'm a huge fan of his, and I really just want him to get a run of games now with Shaw being out. Um, yeah, that's who. I, that was the only person I could think of really, to be honest. Yeah. To be fair, I'd go for. Um, I'd not through any fault of his own, but I'd go for for Mason Greenwood, who has been. Um, I think thrown under the bus a little bit by yeah. when when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is holding his regular press conferences it's, it's kind of alright because he's there to if not openly protect him but at least kind of dash some water on any of the rumours that are flying about like the one about him turning up late for training which Solskjaer said was, was categorically not true when you get that vacuum of United News during the international break it's been what is it probably 12 days now without Solskjaer talking to the media you get that vacuum of, of news and mm-hmm. the United have an inability to respond to these rumours and, and these rumours go around about Greenwood and, and he has been uh, a loser from this because United I mean they have been they could have released a statement but because Solskjaer hasn't been able to come out and and in the kind of relaxed nature of a press conference deny this and, and lend his support to him so not his own fault but Greenwood has been a loser because of the the, the pressure and focus on him. Yeah, I would 100% agree with you. I think Greenwood, as you say, a little bit thrown under the bus there by the British media. You know, it happens with a lot of players and, and, and Greenwood's no different. And I mean, obviously, everyone knows what's happened over the summer with, with him and his friend who got released from Manchester City. Um, so obviously, he's had a difficult time of it. And uh, obviously, you know, I don't think much of this will be his fault, but obviously we'll have to, we'll, you know, we'll have to monitor him as he goes along. Hopefully, he'll be uh, back and firing for the Reds uh, before too long. Also, just on a side note, I'd like to throw out maybe another winner just before we just before we move on uh, to Marcus Rashford, who t- who over this international break yeah. has not only forced another U-turn from the British government, but has yeah. also to this morning, as we're recording this, launched his very own book club uh, yes. to empower British kids to find the escapism of reading. Which we all yeah. love, um, so Absolutely. and that and that's absolutely brilliant for Marcus Rashford, who again is uh, just absolutely being the sort of national treasure that we all need right now. <laughs> um, yeah. So as we move into the sort of final stages of the podcast, the sort of final five ten minutes or so, I want to talk. I want to throw this to both of you. So, Usman, we'll start with you. What's been on your mind this week? United or football in general, what, what's been, what's been on your mind this week about United? Is there anything that you want to you want to talk about specifically on the pod? Yeah, no, I think you kind of touched upon it uh, just briefly there regarding Greenwood and Rashford in particular. I suppose Pogba to an extent as well, but I don't really go into the Pogba thing because I think that's everywhere at the moment. Um, I just think the media at the moment, in particular in UK, they need to have a hard look at themselves. I think it's been absolutely disgusting. In the manner in which they've been reporting um, certain news, or you know what they were classed as news, such as Marcus Rashford buying a couple of houses uh, for two million pounds, the fact that I even know those details is baffling. I don't know why I need to know that as news, but I think it's disappointing more than anything. You know, you saw it happen with Sterling not so long ago, a few years back. I remember there was a similar article about Raheem Sterling, him buying newspapers. Um, sorry, him buying a newspaper, him, him buying a house for his family. And I think the article is something like um, England disappointment or something like that, England disappointment star, 
buys house for family after losing in the Euros or whatever it was. And it's just it's just a lot of bad taste. You know, you see with Greenwood as well. I can't reiterate the fact that he's 19. I think it's it's just yeah. sad. Like, he's 19 years old. I think people need to realise how young he is. Um, as you've already mentioned, you know, the situation with his uh, good friend that sadly committed suicide, uh, the lad from Manchester City. I apologise, I don't know his name. Um, but I can't even comprehend what he's going through mentally and to have the British media targeting him over absolutely nothing and just falsely accusing him of stuff that he hasn't done. And even if he has done, just hypothetically speaking, let's just say he has turned up late for uh, training, I just don't think it's that big of a deal for them to be reporting that. You know, that's something that can be dealt in-house. You know, I work at a football club, at an academy for a Premier League team. And, you know, granted, these things happen. Um, they shouldn't happen, but it's just dealt with in-house. You get a fine and you move on with it. It's not news. And, yeah, I think that's the thing that's disappointed me the most this week, just the, the manner in which there's been a witch hunt for both our players, really, Rashford, and in particular Greenwood. So, yeah, I think for me personally, it's very disappointing Hopefully the media will finally learn. I don't think they will. As we've already seen, Sterling had to call them out for them to stop. But, yeah, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you there on that. I mean, British media, especially the tabloid papers, and obviously it's more frequently tabloid papers, really yeah. ripping into it and uh, into a lot of British young players. Um, and it's happened. It's happened for years. I mean, obviously, I mean, the most recent, I mean, the most historic example probably is Beckham. In yeah, 1998, course, yeah. um, and United fans got firmly behind him. So I can only imagine that if fans are in stadiums, they'd be doing the exact same for Mason Greenwood yeah. at the minute. Uh, Harry, what's been on your mind regarding United? It's pretty much the same, to be honest. Yeah. The only thing I'd I'd add is, I mean, it, it, it took one moment of irresponsibility and and I mean, let's be honest, stupidity from Mason Greenwood to have this uh the hounding of the media on top of it and it, it was a mistake and it, it was wrong and it, it, it's something that he has to show remorse for on the other hand as um as man points out jeremy whiston's death sparked a debate about mental health and unfortunately the that debate is quickly dissipated and the attack articles have have returned once again um and I, I do think United have to step up in, in this scenario. And Solskjaer has often been good in such situations, but without those club press conferences, because the international break, the vacuum of, of United news has been filled by that Greenwood chat. And I, I do think it would have been sensible for United to come out at some point this week to support one of their best talents. Um, but I also think it, it's worth making the point now that we as, as football fans and United fans and consumers of football media have to take... A responsibility as well and that means not sharing articles that don't need sharing um, not assuming that everything you read is correct and whether it's Mason Greenwood or Phil Jones or Jesse Lingard not to hound players out on social media to, to be yeah. kind even in the, the kind of modern setting of social media as well as um, in the stadium in terms of, of personal abuse um, yeah, that, that cancel culture needs to stop, doesn't it? Really. Yeah, and it's 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 the abuse of of, and it, it applies as well to even the journalists who write these things. Um, they're, they're doing the wrong thing, yeah. But the the, the personal abuse is is often too much, and um, there's a there's obviously a responsibility that social media companies hold in that regard as well, and the, the journalists themselves. But for the majority. 
it's, it's for the main part these aren't your standard football journalists as with Raheem Sterling in the past in the Mail and the Sun the attack articles coming towards these footballers about what footballers buy or whether they've been spotted they come from kind of celebrity writers who would do the same to actors and singers in some cases as we agree with this week they, these are high profile football journalists and um, the majority of, of football journalists are, are good people who, who do care about these things and they have to call out that bad practice when they see it as we do and Jonathan Liu did that in The Guardian um, very well but I, I do think there's a responsibility as football fans to kind of practice what we preach and, and, yeah. and, and be kind in how we treat footballers and journalists and other football fans as well um, that, that's yeah that's what's been on my mind no I massively agree with you there Jonathan Liu's article uh, in The Guardian was really good and um, really strong message there sent by uh, one of my favourite sports writers, uh, one of the best yeah. football writers uh, um, out there. So yeah, excellent, excellent work there. Um, so now we're going to we're going to move on to sort of our final section of the podcast, and it's a shameless plug. Uh, I want to know what each of you um, what what each of you is uh, writing for the athletic the athletic the athletic <laughs> not the athletic. We don't have a paywall. I want to know what story is coming up for each of you over on Vavil UK. So. Uh, Usman, I'll, st- I'll start with you. What stories or content are you, are you planning uh, over the next couple of weeks or so? Um, at the moment, I haven't got anything currently planned because I've got a couple of the commitments as, it, as okay. I've spoken to a couple of the lads. Um, but obviously, if you haven't already, make sure you check out the other content that the other guys are doing because they're doing a fantastic work You know, from not just Manchester United, but they cover a lot of teams. So make sure you stay tuned as uh, Harry's now going to tell you what he's going to be doing this soon. <laughs> Uh, so I'm not not entirely sure yet. This Saturday game against West Brom, um, waiting for a response from United about whether we'll be given accreditation to that. Not sure on that. Um, and then I think my deputy Brad Cox should be going to the Istanbul Basakshir game um, at Old Trafford. In terms of what I'm working on, uh, I'll be keeping an eye on Mason Greenwood. Uh, and I mean, we'll, we'll see how things develop, but there, there may be a piece to write there. Um, but um, we'll also be doing match coverage of the, the West Brom game and the Istanbul Basakshir game. Um, not sure exactly what part of that I'll be um, in control of or behind of uh, right now, but uh, there will be someone with a match preview which will give you everything you need to know, including team news about Alex Tellers and Marcus Rashford. Uh, well, whether that's me or someone else, um, we don't know, but you can find it on vavel.com forward slash en wherever you are well excellent i'm currently planning a piece on uh short-term strikes for manchester united and the myth of henrik larson so that's the piece that i'm currently working on well, player. I'm, well i'm gonna try and well i'm gonna try and play a little bit of devil's advocate for for, uh, for henrik larson and see if uh, <laughs> see if he really was the uh, the myth that we've uh still seems to built up of him at manchester united but we'll see um so concludes the first episode of Fergie Time, the Manchester United podcast brought to you by Vavil UK. Uh, Vavil UK is home to some of the best sports writing around from many of the brightest and youngest journalists across the world, across many different sports and many different clubs. Uh, you can visit the website, vavil.com forward slash en forward slash for absolutely free and, and look ahead to Manchester United's coming week as the Reds take on West Brom and Istanbul in the Champions League. As for us, we'll be back next week to recap everything that's happened inside Old Trafford. But for now, thank you for listening. Thank you to the lads for coming on the podcast. And until next time, we'll see you very soon. Goodbye. <laughs>